made you decide to to do this documentary in the first place? Were there some some unique things that you saw paralleled between Cuba and New Orleans? You, you feel, you know, just being in New Orleans, I, you feel not just the this uh, French presence, but there's also the Spanish presence here, mm-hmm. you know? And of course, you know, the most important is, is the African presence here. And part of, I think, a journey of a musician is, is is, is understanding where this all comes from, just a curiosity mm-hmm. of it. And, and that curiosity, is, you know, has led us, led us on this journey to Cuba. Cuba, Cuba, Cuba. Yes, indeed! Only in New Orleans, baby! Shaboy Wild Way! They go Trump on Shorty! Big one, we made a new freestyle! of the podcast life that's right wild wayne unchained and uh you know we always kick it off with some great little food and live basins we got to give some people some props because this will lead us to where we're going today for our journey we're gonna travel today a little bit we're gonna travel a little bit today of course i'm wild wayne got my co-pilot What's happening, everybody? It's me, Sean Roy. You know where I'm from, Shrewsbury, like always. Mm-hmm. And we getting it in today. We we continue to go on our journey of culture and cuisine and lifestyle. And we got to give props to Gracious Bakery. That's right. Yeah, they brought yeah. us some great vittles today. Big shout out to them. Some, uh, some bakery, confectionery goods. And they brought us one of my favorite sandwiches, which is the Cuban. Man, every sandwich is your favorite. Nah, not everyone, but I've always been a big fan of the Cubans. I think sometimes they call them Cubanos, uh-huh. uh, but I, I've always liked it. Now, when I had one over there, um, maybe about a month ago, um, I swapped out the sweet pickles for more savory ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a Cuban sandwich is a press sandwich. Right. Uh, and actually, I don't think it originated in Cuba. I think it, it originated in uh, in Southern Florida. Um, but you know, since Cuba and Florida, especially at the, at the tip, are so close, a lot of things move back and forth culturally, food wise. Not only the food, but the people. So they bring different things with them. And I kind of think there's probably some similarities to a po' boy. Not from a taste perspective, but this was a worker's sandwich. You know, this is something that they could carry around and press. Um, I think quite often they use Cuban bread, um, some ham, pastrami in some areas, Swiss cheese, mustard. And I like the pickles. I think the pickles kind of bring the flavors out. And then they press them. They smash them. See, that's what I was going to say. A lot of people call them Cubans. Mm -hmm. I've always run the impression that it was called just the press. A press sandwich. Okay, that's, well, what, that's what I've known it as for years. And and I think they would always put them in foil. Like it's, if you get an authentic one, right. and I think that's probably working. Dude, probably sliding your slide pocket. one in your back pocket. Right yeah, uh, yeah. That leads us to today's show. Um, uh, a tuba to Cuba is a documentary that uh, Ben Jaffe and uh, Preservation Hall released, and and I was uh, just. 
blown away by it. You know, I went over to uh, Broad Theater and caught it just on a whim on a, on a, on a Sunday morning. And uh, I just thought it was a great piece, especially when there was so much culture in it, music. So I always try to keep up on those different things. And not everybody uh, is a documentary type person, but I am. And, and I was uh, I was super happy about it. I did a whole long post about my experience watching it once it was done, uh, once I was done watching it. And uh, I reached out to to Ben because we had done, I think we did a, a panel at, at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. A few years ago, yeah. Uh, and so we have him here today. Uh, ben Joppy from Preservation Hall. Give it up. Yes, yes, hey, right. yes. Uh, how you feeling? Man, I feel it feels so good to be here, man. It feels good to be in New Orleans. Yeah. Among my, among my family. Yeah, right, right. Is, you know, so have you been doing a, a gang of traveling? Yeah, I, I just got back from uh, Los Angeles last night. Okay, I was out there doing some music writing mm -hmm. uh, okay. with a very interesting woman. Uh, her name's Allie Willis, and she wrote this song. Uh, I know y'all know it. September, yeah, for yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Correct, and that was one of her first. And and I actually got kicked out of the studio because Patty Labelle was coming in right after me to write with her. Right, you had to go. I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> but she she came down, and spent a week with us down here writing songs with the Preservation Hall band down at our studio, mm -hmm. and uh, she had such a good time. She, you know, she was, she said, look, please, next time there's a window, come on out to L.A., come see my my studio. And, right, you right, know, right. Me, I want to write with you guys out here. So wow. I got to go out there. We, did, you know, wrote lyrics to, to some of the stuff that we had started here in New Orleans. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, just beautiful. Yeah, just getting to do do all these things that, uh, you know, you, you, you dream about, you know, growing up, trying, you know, when you imagine being a musician and it's that you actually get to do it yeah. and Patty LaBelle's like you're gonna have to go <laughs> alright I guess if I have to <laughs> I mean she not know who you were she, you, you didn't run it to her you oh you know it, it, was, it, was, it was so interesting um, I got to meet her uh, her musical director this this beautifully talented musician Andre and and, and uh, we were just hanging out mm -hmm. and what they do is they, they prep her music for her okay so for they take about three hours to get everything ready for her, mm -hmm. and then so so when she comes in and she's feeling the spirit, she can arrive without any any sort of technical. And to be stuff. seamless, she, she just right. walks in, takes her shoes off, gets in front of the microphone, puts on some headphones, and and it, it's 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 Patty time. And, and she's known to kick off those shoes. We we Amen. definitely know that you, about you, Patty. I think we've all seen that. Patty. Yeah. Patty. Speaking of shoes, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Joffy, what are you doing there? Man, these are my carnival shoes, man. These okay. Are, yeah, we, I, don't, I don't know if y'all are aware. We uh, we did a Haitian carnival this year. Okay. Uh, we started uh, our own crew with uh, some of the members of a band called Arcade Fire, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. who live here in town. I did see that. I yeah, did see that. Mm -hmm. and uh, they're they they've. The, the the wife is of Haitian descent and and they they're the ones that actually introduced your wife no uh, Arcade Fire okay wife, okay yeah, uh, Regine Chasson and she uh, they're the ones that introduced me to Haiti and okay. brought me down there for the they first time they were in the documentary yeah they did yeah, yeah. some narrative parts that's I it guess. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and and we've just had this uh, beautiful relationship where they've been coming to New Orleans for like over you know since before Katrina mm -hmm. and uh, now it's just it's it's a really permanent part of their life you okay know, they've, okay they've, you know picked up and you know, laid, laid, laid their foundation right here and, you know, their son's in school here. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're involved with Preservation Hall. We, we, we do a lot of projects together. But, but Crew de Carnival was like our way to, to celebrate the things about Mardi Gras that a lot of people don't get to experience. Right, like if, right. if you don't know where to be on Mardi Gras day, you're going to miss the Indians. Gotcha. And right. a lot of that world's not really open. You, you, gotta, you might miss the truck floats. Or the trucks floats. You might, you might miss the skull and bones. Yeah, you got yeah. to kind of like pick and choose where you're going to go. 
And we just we, we said, man, there's no way to pick and choose. We let, let's just do something that celebrates all of this and also our Haitian roots, right, you know, right. in New Orleans, you know, and and that's where this idea for Carnival came about. And and all the proceeds from the memberships not only go to throw the ball. And look, okay. Shorty Trombo Shorty came to the ball. Okay, and he pulled me over. He he came up next to me and rubbed up next to me. He said, man. This is the best Mardi Gras ball right. I've ever been to. It, I didn't. It probably know. was energetic, lively, festive. It was, it was music. It was dancing. It was costumes, and it was like just this cultural celebration. We brought up thirty artists from Haiti, um, dancers that choreographed with uh, local local dancers here in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and and local musicians. We were collaborating with the Haitian musicians. We brought in DJs that were collaborating with reggaeton DJs that we brought in from from Miami. So it was just this this you know, mashup of, of all these different layers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just blew it out, you know, mm-hmm. and all the proceeds that, uh, were generated by the event go mm-hmm. back to, to, uh, to the preservation hall foundation, okay. which okay. does educational, uh, music education outreach, you know, throughout new Orleans in, uh, detention centers in, uh, uh, all the schools, we, we offer free field trips to preservation hall for any school hmm. in, in Orleans parish. Um, Amazing work. Well, just amazing a good time. work. Just yeah. a good time. Party with a purpose. That's that's what we feel. That's yeah. that's. I mean, New Orleans is like that, right? That's right. Everything's a party, but everything's got a purpose. There you go. You know, you can't. You th- we take back. fun very seriously here. Yes, sir. You got to yeah. give back. You got to give. Back. I'm glad that there were some other aspects to it, because that's sometimes the dilemma that I have being a New Orleanian. Uh, that there's a lot of people that are altering some of the things that were unique to New Orleans. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you're kind of on the fence, like there's so many little controversies now, Mm. uh, but I'm happy to hear that there's, you know, a purpose to it. You know, it's not just somebody that would come in and and change things completely. That's always my thing. Some of the new things are dope, right? Yeah. But then I always kind of have that nostalgic feeling about the originals. So of course, uh, we we, we always got to celebrate the originals, you know, and, and, you know, having an outside perspective is also is as healthy mm-hmm. um, as long as people can come to New Orleans. You know, because New Orleans will welcome people as long as they come with with the right spirit mm-hmm. and they they come. Um, I like to say you have to come to New Orleans in prayer position. Hmm. You know, you have to come to New Orleans. You know, I'm not gonna say on your knees, but you, you do have to come with your head bowed and be ready Humbly. to pay homage. Actually, Humbly. yeah, of course, because I mean, everybody in New Orleans is a big chief mm-hmm. in some regard. You That's know? interesting because uh, when we had. Uh, Donald Harrison on. We talked about it a little bit, and he was like, change is good, just as long as you credit the creator. Credit the creator. Respect the creator. Yeah. Always pay homage to the creator. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know. Um, so, I have to give some props to my man, uh, LeSueur. He brought <laughs> us some uh, libations today, and this is some good stuff. Uh, it's the LeSueur honey cognac mm. so we always have some drinks and some eats on the show uh he brought us some samples salute Cheers. um salute. and he brought us some some great lemonade to mix with it as well you know grab it it's all over the country right now and i'm just happy to see his success because like we've been back and forth since he first came out with his prototype bottles and to see where he's he's moved to is it, always uh it, it's good it's a good story for other people that are creators like yo you can make it you just got to get out there and do it. And we, we really try to always put some New Orleans products on the map with the show. Isn't that, isn't that, uh, that's New Orleans right there. I mean, we all have products, but we, the story behind a product yeah. is what really pushes it. You mm-hmm. know? And, and I was listening to my, my man's story earlier, you know, and 
I'm not a cognac guy. I'm more of a bourbon or whiskey guy. Mm-hmm. But I will definitely pick up a bottle of this. I, I promise you, I, I will. This this is this is pretty good. You know, we're, we're sipping here in the studio. I know you guys can't see it, but trust me, we are <laughs> sipping here in the studio. And you're missing out. You're missing out. Um, you were talking about uh, the the Haiti Carnival in New yeah. Orleans. Um, so you guys went to another island. You went to Cuba. 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 Understanding our history is understanding the elements that formed who we are. And part of that is understanding Cuba. The outreach elements of this trip where our band is interacting with Cuban musicians is essential. (laughs) Through music, we'll be able to start a conversation. 19 hours on a bus across a mountain range. The closer we were getting to Santiago, man, you could just feel something in the air. You get more out of life when you believe in building bridges. This incredible musical tradition performed by these pioneers of New Orleans jazz. We came here on this musical journey and we discovered a piece of us that's been missing. made you decide to to do this documentary in the first place where there's some some unique things that you saw paralleled between Cuba and New Orleans um, was it some stuff that you already knew because I, I know at one point in the the documentary they y'all found some pictures of a preservation hall band in one of their music clubs that yeah. you didn't even know was there no I mean I, you know, being a musician, you know, having grown up with the people that I got to grow up with, you know, I went to NOCA, New Orleans Center for Creative Arts, and, mm-hmm. and got to study under Clyde Kerr, and uh, my bass teacher was Walter Payton, and, mm-hmm. you know, my, my growing up, I spent a lot of time in C. Saint Studios, that's where the Preservation Hall Band recorded, it's where everybody recorded, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, so I, I got to grow up around all these musicians, and, and you, you, you feel, you know, just being in New Orleans, you feel not just the this uh, French presence, but there's also the Spanish presence here, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, you know, the most important is, is the African presence here, and part of I think a journey of a musician is 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 understanding where this all comes from, just a curiosity mm-hmm. of it, and and that curiosity, is, you know, has led us led us on this journey to Cuba, and I was interested because I went into the documentary thinking. New Orleans, Cuba, New Orleans, Cuba. But at the end of it, uh, and what was the area you went to? It's like the the, the, the country inside the country? Santiago. Santiago, Santiago right? Santiago. And it, it was interesting to see that the African diaspora mm. really had much far reach, much more far reaching tentacles than originally anticipated. And you hate to give away the ending, but yeah. I, I think it's so important <laughs> to talk about that part but, of it as well. You know, I mean, doing what I get to do, playing music, being at Preservation Hall, meeting people from all over the world every night of the week, you um, you hear, I hear this over and over again, New Orleans is a, its own country inside of a country. That's Truth. Like, you know, this country inside of like the, this other place that we're in. And, and, and that's something that really resonates, really resonates with me. You know, so when I heard that again in Cuba, I this was like a, you know, I got to get to this place. Mm -hmm, They're talking mm -hmm. about this place as being, you know, you know, even to Cubans being mystical. So, you know, when, when we actually got to, you know, got out of Havana and got to Santiago, what, what occurred to me, you know, 
immediately because when we go to Havana, everybody's like, oh, it's like the French Quarter. You know, it feels like it looks like the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. It feels like the, the pace is like the, you know, it's like New Orleans. And then you get to Santiago and you're like, oh, my God, this is like this is like the sixth or seventh ward. This is like where I grew up. Right. Right. This is like, you know, wait, wait where did you grow up? Well, I grew up on St. Anne um, in the French Quarter. Okay, okay. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was as it was when the, the French Quarter was transitioning from, uh, you know, the lower part of the quarter, like, you know, towards Esplanade. And, like, I went to McDonough 15, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is Plessy now. Uh, so I, I was right, you know, I was two blocks from Armstrong Park and, you know. So close to Treme. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Treme was kind of like that was where we, we hung. Mm-hmm. Um that was, you know, but I'm, but imagine if a whole city was like that, right? You know, right, right. And not only that, but like, forty years ago, you know, when mm. when it was when it was, you know, you still had a connection. There was like old timers, and there was, you know, new going on and old, but and it was, you know, still discovering itself. That's what Santiago it felt. I told people I said it felt more New Orleans than New Orleans in some ways because wow. it was like it was it was if you took like the best parts of this city, the things that we love about the city, and 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 made a whole magnified it. Yeah, magnified, just blew it up, you know, yeah. 20, 30, 40%. The best of the best. The best of the best. Yeah. How, how did people receive you? Uh you uh, along with uh the entire band like and your camera crew and all that. How did they receive I mean, you guys? I mean, we you know, we 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 talked about this as a band before we went down there. We said, you know, I said to the guys, I said, "Look, we you know, being from New Orleans, we we had the experience of of seeing how musicians come to New Orleans and they either come here out of curiosity and reverence for what we do or they come here trying to look for an angle and trying to get something out of it. You know, right. like trying to just like pick and you know, pick something and then and then run away with right. it. Then we know other people who come here and like kinda get their, their roots in here a little bit and kinda and then they start picking up things and they start giving things and you know, they don't just come in with a splash. They kinda like Sometimes you don't even know they're here. They blend into the they, fabric. They blend mm-hmm. into the beautiful, mm-hmm. exactly. Right, they blend right. into the fabric. And um, I said about six months before we went down there, I said that's that's how we want to be perceived. Right, right. You know, so we have to make an we have to make a conscious effort of how we're going to, to how we're going to make our entry into this sacred place. Right, and I say that because in New Orleans we're so very accepting a lot of the times of the people that come. Some for the right reasons, some don't come for the right reasons. But I wonder if that was amplified in kind of a smaller country, if they would just be like serious pushback, like, what are they coming? Are they coming to steal our culture? You know? I mean, like New Orleans, there's definitely like, you know, there's that, I think there's, there's that, the, the first, you know, thing is to put up your guard. Right. But people, what I've, what I experienced in New Orleans and in Cuba, you know, for the most part is people have a sense of people's um, intention mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can pick up on that real quick right. i mean people in new orleans have a bs detector like nowhere else in the world <laughs> or, you know right. what i mean truth, truth. i mean it's just like it's on 24 right. 7 we get it like if you're fake you're fake right. you know, so you're not gonna you're not people gonna, know and not only that but you're gonna get pushed out real quick yeah they, you're not gonna last that wall's gonna See, yeah. I, I was wondering that i was wondering yeah as a band how were you perceived uh you think your welcome would have been different if you weren't in a band we were just regular tourists you know, if, if if we if if we were just regular tourists, you know, it's complicated because it, it is a communist society. Yes. So there there are things and places that you know a tourist just can't penetrate. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's things mm-hmm. that you can't see. I mean, it's like New Orleans. You can, you're not going to show up in New Orleans and just you know pop into the Zulu club. Right. You know, you're like, not going to go to Indian practice. It's, you're not going to show up at an Indian practice. It's you're not. not you're not going to show up at a funeral. Right. You know, like unless you are a member of that family or so or we're communist here 
<laughs> but, you it's know, something that we can share, though. You know, it's something we, we you know, like, we're, you, we're communal. We're communal. <laughs> right. Yeah, we are a community. Yeah, I know. think a lot of people forget that. I think a lot of people forget that Cuba is actually a communist country. Yeah, yeah. You know, as small as it is, yes, it, it's still a communist country. Very much so. And, and and because of that, uh, even though it's so close to us, you know, and you just can't imagine how how. Um, how different politically it is, and and how their their daily life is so dramatically different from from ours, you know. And uh, that was that was you know hard for us as a band to remember that we were there on on this cultural discovery, you know, mm-hmm. this this musical expedition, so to speak, you know. And we had to 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 you know remind ourselves that hey, that we're here to have a conversation, mm-hmm. to you know learn about ourselves. Hopefully, through this conversation, uh, the musicians that, we're, that we encounter will will have an experience about themselves, and right. that, that's truly what we wanted to go there. Is the best kind of collaboration is when both sides are are having an experience. You I know? mean, being from New Orleans, you, you have a giving spirit, so I'm sure the humanitarian side of you wanted to come out. Huh? Absolutely. I mean, we wanted to we wanted to um, to you know share. You know, we wanted to give. You know, mm-hmm. not just. Uh, uh, something musically but we wanted to uh offer solidarity and like mm-hmm. uh kind of you know give give love and right, like right. appreciation and say you know in some ways you know it, it's kind of fair to say like without haiti and without cuba there wouldn't be you know the kind of music that we have in new orleans you know if Correct. we hadn't had like you know the, this this flow of of people and ideas you know for whatever reasons whether it was you know slavery or you know human trafficking or, or or trade or spaniards or french whatever it was that brought these ideas native american whatever the, whatever the, the the combination of ideas that flowed to new orleans flowed through haiti and cuba and you know made their way here it's it's uh you know that's another recurring theme that we seem to keep finding like yeah. since doing this podcast is that uh although we poke our chest out and we're <laughs> like oh we created this we created that there's a lot of things that were not created here, but we do it better than anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we always talk, I was, we talk about culinary stuff. Like, you know, we have the best jambalaya in the world. Mm. Right. But yeah. there's jollof, I believe in Africa, there's red rice in the <laughs> Carolinas, there's similarities. There's gumbos all over the world. I was just far better though. And I think the music <laughs> has done the same thing. It comes from a lot of different places. There's a lot of common ties, a lot of parallels. We just seem to, we put it on steroids, whatever it is. We yeah. make it better. So that's always good. But I I, I want to, with this podcast, educate folks about some of the different things that are going on globally. Because sometimes yeah. people think it's so uniquely ours. But we do it better than anywhere else. So that's always I mean, a great thing. What, what, I mean, part part of, of, this, of this trip also was us not feeling so isolated in New Orleans. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I meet people all the time. You know, historians, politicians, actors, musicians, artists, and they are all connected to New Orleans. You know, they don't even know why they're spiritually connected to this place. And you know, what what, what has become apparent to me, you know, especially post Katrina, is that that we are the the the, the kind of uh, spiritual background, but backbone mm-hmm. of this country. You know, right? And then you go to a place like Cuba, you go to a place like Haiti, and you and you meet people like your community. You you don't feel as isolated. And that know? spiritual yeah. aspect. So in the documentary, when y'all were in Santiago, y'all all seemed like uh, Cuba was great, but Santiago. <laughs> 
for you guys seemed like it Home. drew a different spirituality out of you guys. Like there was, it wasn't intellectual. It was it like was, it was heartfelt. I could see yeah. like it was a couple of you know grab your handkerchief moments yeah. in Santiago, yeah. and there was not. It was let's see how you explain this. You couldn't even speak the same language. I don't think your guys understood what he was saying, but they still understood each other. Like it was language barriers, but they understood everything. It was amazing to me. Yeah, we 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 you know purposely made sure that we we didn't have a translator with us. Okay, oh, okay. We want we wanted to put the band oh. into situations where they had to communicate with music, and that was a form of communication. That was a it happened a lot. Like every time, y'all, your yeah. instruments and your musicians you brought, their musicians and their instruments spoke their own language to each other. Like, it, this is a great documentary, <laughs> but it, it's it's a great piece about kind of humanity too, like how similar we are, even if we're in different area codes, different countries, et cetera. Uh, yeah. And that yeah. happened, that, that, that thing happened. I had no idea there was no translator. Yeah, well we, we I mean, what you're talking about is, is was one of the reasons we wanted to document this um, journey was because we we as a band experience this all the time. I mean, okay. I don't care who you, you talk to any musician in New Orleans. You talk to any, you know Cyril Neville. You talk to Donald Harrison, Terrence Blanchard. You talk to, to to Trombone Shorty. You talk to any anybody that's out there doing what we do, and they will tell you that music is the universal language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that you walk in any room anywhere in the world, and you're going to have a musical conversation that that transcends words. Right, right, it goes, right. It goes, it, goes, it, it communicates emotion. And that that's that's the deepest kind of conversation that you can possibly have is when someone's singing, you don't even know what they're singing about, but you know exactly what they're singing about mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. It, it's touching you somewhere deep. You know, it was good. It yeah. was good. I, I I didn't know what to expect, but like there were so <laughs> many things that I saw. And then I think uh, what's it the the flautist that you had on? Yes, this? like yeah. she was so energetic and jumped right in pocket with everything mm. you guys were doing, and and it was. Um, the Creoles that were teaching, I think they were descendants from slaves, mm-hmm. but they had these these balls that they would do. Yes. What, what was the name of um, Well, it was called Tumba Francesa. Yes, and that's that, it. that was in Santiago, too. Mm-hmm. And they were, they did these uh, dance, they would, they would do these, uh, have these dances where they would imitate the dances that the plantation owners would do mm-hmm. in, in their salons, mm-hmm. you know, and they they wanted to sort of, you know. So it's probably similar to the quadroon balls I and mean, the octoroon balls. It was of, like I'm getting chills thinking about it, but that was that was that was part of like the discovery, and you saw it yourself. I don't, we don't want to give away everything, right, right, right. But right. there were moments in the film where where there was a discovery of 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 your identity, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. where where several of the musicians had moments where they they all of a sudden realize that they're not alone in this world, that yes, New Orleans, but wow, Cuba, we got brothers and sisters in Cuba, we got brothers and sisters all over the place, actually. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there was this just this connection. In New Orleans, it just, you know, it came out as jazz, you know, it came out as, you know, second line, it came out as um, R&B, it's, you know, it, it, it's the meters, it's the Neville Brothers, it's Alan Toussaint, it's Professor Longhair, it's Fats Domino, it's Smiley Lewis, it's Jelly Roll Morton, you know, we can keep right. going back, but right. that's that's how it came out in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was good stuff, man, just across the board. Appreciate that. Appreciate Which, uh, that. I, yeah. I, I'm interested in the uh, the logistics of it. Oof. What yeah. did it take to get a band to Cuba? Man, we, um, through our foundation, we began raising funds. 
um, to get the band to Cuba because there are no funds in Cuba. That's right. Everything is public. So any concert that you perform in Cuba is open free to the public. So there's no way to, to raise funds. To monetize it, right. So we have to we had to we had to find our own way to um, support the, this 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 trip. And the first thing we did was we said, look, this is an important journey for our band. Like if we're gonna continue to grow as musicians and artists and be able to be leaders in this community here in New Orleans, we need to we need to you know, continue our own journey, our own educational journey. Gotcha. And that was, um, that was an important part of, 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 of the trip in the first place, you know, and raising the money took us two years to get down there, gotcha. you know, and during that time, um, we started off working with Tulane to get the visas to go down there. And then halfway through that, the embargo was lifted. That's what I and was all of a sudden that changed the, right. the whole game changed. Right. Once the embargo was lifted, it was like, oh, my gosh, man, maybe we can bring some people with us, you know. So we ended up finding some close friends of the band who helped, um, you know, underwrite the the tour for us. They came down as our guests and got to got to experience behind the scenes the whole, you know, the whole journey that we were taking. There was a whole little entourage that kind of went with us from place to right. place. They got to experience. Did y'all put them in works? Oh yeah. <laughs> you think I carry that tube with me? <laughs> now for people now for people that haven't been to Cuba yeah. or, or haven't been up on uh what Cuba looks like. Yeah. Was it culture shock for you guys when you got there? It I mean we tr- we travel so much that it 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 wasn't truly a culture shock. I mean what was what was um I think the thing that that that, that we that kind of rang true like after a couple days of being there was there's no signage there was no coca-cola there was no mcdonald's there was no starbucks there was no there were no like you know name brands there was no you know they're not allowed to put up signs in the windows for for any kind of commercial products you know so you don't even realize this but then you know especially if you live in the french quarter you're kind of like you know you're 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 bombarded by yes but then like you know going here you're like wow yeah a couple days in you're like oh my gosh i'm kind of like in a parallel universe you know, um, it's still pure. It's still in, in that way. It's it is. It's like, you know, they have they have these this fundamental belief, you know, and, and it was a, you know, us being Americans live, living in the U.S., living here in New Orleans. We have all the modern conveniences. Yes. Tell me about the 19 hour bus ride. Ooh Lord. <laughs> it, now you went from Havana to Santiago. Yeah. Where? Okay. Uh, and it's not. I saw like, the bus. I, I saw the bus. Yeah, it's a it wasn't. Bus. A, it wasn't a no. Greyhound. <laughs> no. I mean, it's a. You know, the, not only that, but it's 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 a one lane road. It's not a highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always even a road. Sometimes it's a dirt road. Gotcha. You know, sometimes. So it's not. It's not like a straight shot between two major cities. It's not like driving to Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going over over a major mountain pass that separates the island into two pieces, the eastern and western side of the of the island. And um, yeah, it was really like um, nothing I had ever experienced before. I mean, we we all knew going into this, we, we, we brought in people to talk to us to kind of prepare us mentally for what we were gonna experience and also physically, because we have some older members in our band too. We wanted to make sure that, they're, that they were gonna be okay, okay going down there, that we weren't exposing them to anything, you know, uh, unnecessary. You know, and, you know, in that instance, we decided that the older members of the band, it wasn't good for them to make that journey with us. Mm. And they stayed back in Havana while mm-hmm. the younger members of the band took the, the journey. Yeah. And it was hard on us, you know, because oh. once you get there, it's not like you have, you know, the modern lo- amenities, a luxurious hotel waiting <laughs> right. for you on the other right. end. You know, you have, you know, maybe a bed and maybe, uh, 
you know, if if, the sh- if you have a shower, you know, sometimes it only works during certain times of the day. There's not mm. always electricity. Um, yeah, so it was just one of those things that you you just have to get yourself into this mind that hey, man, I'm going into this thing, and for the next two weeks, this is what this is how we're going to be living. But you know, it probably purges you a little bit to get you prepared for what you're about to experience. You know, you get rid of all the extra, all the stuff that's considered common here in the states, and you get over there and you back to basics. You know, it makes you appreciate what you do have even more. You know, because um, I know is as, as a you know, oftentimes we can. Um, uh, We're spoiled here. We, we, I would say, Period. you know, we, we definitely have like a, you know, this sense that all of these things are, are you know. Entitlement? Inside of, yeah, I guess it is like a sense of entitlement where you just have access to so many, to so much that if you need something, you just go run over to the store and grab it. Or like if, you know, the electricity is not working, you mm-hmm. go, you know, you just flip a switch or right. you do this. Or like if you get a flat tire, you just go fix it here. Or even having a car, right? You know, Um, you know, going to Cuba. We we met, um, you know, we got involved with a high school for the arts in Havana. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. And and from that trip, we actually committed ourselves, and that was the first time Mm -hmm. we 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 worked with those students. We um, it was they were impressive little musicians, man. man. They're terrible. They are terrible. Like terrible good, terrible terrible bad. Good, like okay. New Orleans got to look out. Yeah, and they were so appreciative of the horns in the, the they, instruments that that they got. They were yeah, I, I, it was impressive because I think sometimes once again that sense of entitlement thing. I've seen some people get horns locally across the country as gifts from different people, and they're like, "Oh, thank you." But yeah. these kids were like, "Well, you know, you can just get on Amazon and in a couple of clicks you yeah. got anything sent to your door." So you know, we're we're in a, we're in a country that doesn't even have you know doesn't have access to internet, yeah. and. uh we decided that we're going to supply instruments to all of the graduating seniors of this class. Right, right, and right. And we worked with a, a group called Horns to Havana, based out of New York, and you know, Winter Marsalis is involved with them as well. And we brought instruments. And while we were there, we were being told by the teachers that when the students graduate at 16, and when they graduate, they have the opportunity to purchase a horn mm-hmm. that they've been assigned when they, they started the gotcha. program. Mm-hmm. And... At that moment, that's this moment where they either become professional or they have to go on with it, you know, something else in their life. Right. And that's a that's a that was incredible to to to, to be handing somebody a flute or a trumpet or in this you know the last time we went down we brought a string bass with us because I promised a, I promised one of the young students last time we went down because we've been down five times now is hey I'm I got to get this kid a bass man because mm-hmm. man you you're just you are incredible musician. And the only thing keeping you from being, you know, maybe one of the greatest of all time is, is, is access to an instrument. Right, right. You know, and that to me, that's not, that, that, that just doesn't feel like justice. Those kids you know were saying? good. That, that doesn't feel like justice to me. Um, I, have, I have a longing for Cuban because, yeah. I mean, as, as we documented on previous podcasts, I'm a cigar smoker. Yes, sir. And, and, and I, I love a good cigar, you know, and, and I have this, this affection. I, I want to get to Cuba so bad. It's like you, you wouldn't know? believe it. Now, my wife is a traveler. She loves to travel. So we're going to make that journey real soon. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, just to give you all, let you know, it's not that that difficult. You go down to Florida and you, you hop on a flight from far, from Florida down to, to Cuba. It's 45 minutes. It's right. going to take you longer to get through customs and, and mm-hmm. out of the airport 
than it is to fly down there. And that was another thing I wanted to ask you, the custom aspect. You said you gave away instruments. How, how did yes. that work? Did you have to get permission from yeah, the Cuban government? Yeah, we actually government? did. So like, even to film, like you can't just show up with a bunch of cameras and make a documentary. Everything has to be... Um, has to be, uh, you know, has to be signed off by the government. So it was really by the, you know, the grace of God and 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 some people who we who we knew here in New Orleans who work have Cuban connections and because we are the Preservation Hall Jazz Band and we are a cultural institution, um, we were able to do something that hadn't been done before. I mean, if you think about it, what we what we accomplish not only has never been done by a New Orleans band, but hasn't has never been done by a band. Mm-hmm you know, before. So it was, uh, you know, just an incredible, you know, the whole project was, 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 a, you know, a blessing and miracle. So for people that haven't seen the documentary, tell me what, what was the instruments the kids were playing? Were they hand-me-down? Were they old? They were just tattered? Uh, I mean, yeah. Cause the instruments go back into the school. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I mean, it, just like the cars, like you, you go down there and all the cars are like from the fifties, the forties right. and fifties, you know, they're old Chevys, they're old Fords. Um, and and what's amazing is is they have their own way of repairing the cars and, and machining new parts for the car. Hmm. And you would and, and you're like, yeah, there, there's something that they, they are, you know, they're they're bruised, but they're beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. And the same with the instruments, you know, that they, they care for these instruments because it, it is their livelihood. You know, and if you do break something, there's nowhere to go get it fixed. You know, if you if you pop a guitar string, you can't just pop into a music store. Mm-hmm. You know, so we brought mm-hmm. we brought boxes of guitar strings, we brought boxes huh. of bass strings, we brought mouthpieces, we brought valve oil. You, you know, just to, you know, just, just things that you can like reeds and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, pads for pads for saxophones and clarinets, mm-hmm. uh, drum heads. Mm. Everybody wanted drum heads, uh, drum sticks. Right. They make their own drum sticks. Hmm. You know, they carve their own drum sticks because they're so hard to to find one part you might play on one set of drumsticks your whole life wow you know whereas like here you know you guys will just break a drumstick and throw it yeah there's a <laughs> right, box of right, them. yeah right, i'm just right. saying i mean that that was it's beautiful for us to remind ourselves of, of how blessed we are and, and and you know what we have access to and and um how people make do with like you know practically you know with, with practically you no know, nothing physical I, I i'm getting from you that this was more or less a journey of self well, right. that that was you know that was you know people who go who will go see the documentary mm-hmm. realize you know we we thought we were going for one reason mm-hmm. and it turned out to be a whole another experience you know we thought we were going we thought this whole thing was about music. about music yeah right, but it's actually about it's life. about humans it's about, about life humans, it's right. about it's about right. connecting right. with people yeah gotcha. that's wonderful man that's wonderful yeah. Wayne Wayne uh, hit me he was telling me about the documentary and he uh yeah if y'all hear that chatter in the background. That's uh, it's the Cubans. That's the Cubans. I'm getting in here too. They're going man. in. I'm getting in. Right. Now I'm drinking this little cognac. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to get down on the, something. The <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing about this podcast is, and I'm not going to reveal it, but it's uh, it's five o'clock somewhere, <laughs> just not here. <laughs> just not here. It's not five o'clock, and, and, and we got this. I was resort. just in California, and I was filming the sunset, and I, I realized I said, "Man, I've been up since the sunrise and the sunset." Mm-hmm. Mm. I, uh, that, that was how I, I tagged it. I, I said, "Yeah." I said, "One man's sunset is another man's sunrise." Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, Cuba, Cuba. I, 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 like I said, I have an affection for Cuba. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to get to Cuba. I, I promise. Let me know because um, I want to go too. Yeah, we, I we, haven't we, been. We might take the podcast. Y'all should come down Cuba. with us next time. Hey, watch out now. I'm, I'm just saying. Watch you got a date I can put on my calendar because I mean, I'm there. They just wrote. They just wrote to me a couple of days ago. They want us to come down to celebrate a city's. 
um, anniversary. Okay. And actually, this city was founded by people from New Orleans. What? 250 years ago, they left New Orleans. Actually, 300 years ago, they left New Orleans. These French families left New Orleans, went to Cuba. I think y'all mentioned that somewhere in yeah, the doc. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's called Cienfuegos. They left New Orleans because uh, <laughs> the you know the French sold the pro, you know sold you know the, yeah. the, the, the because um, they done what they did. Yeah, right. they did we what know they did. it. Right, we yeah. know we know the story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they get down to Cuba and they they uh, founded um, a, a town in Cuba called Cienfuegos and it's going to be their anniversary uh, this year and they want us to come back to play with a symphony orchestra there that has taken some our compositions that we wrote while we were in Cuba and orchestrated them for the whole orchestra and they want us to come perform them with hmm. the orchestra. He said that's their 300 year anniversary. Three, just like it New Orleans. Coincides right with New Orleans. Yeah. So these people got fed up and a said few, we out of here. A few months later though because yeah, they, they left New Orleans it yeah, took them a little while to get out. down there. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. So yeah. I definitely want to go. Like I, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Passport needs some extra stamps. Mm-hmm. I'm ready man. Uh, but I, I was just so intrigued by everything in there. Like it had set off my little clock internally. Like I need to go to Cuba to go check it out. But I, I didn't want to, I don't want to be a tourist. Like I want to mm-hmm. just be one kind of with the people and do some, yeah. some different type of stuff. You know, I, I'm sure they probably have some touristy type stuff, but I, I just want to soak it up and kind of be in tune with the people. Yeah. You know, that, that's to me a better experience, exactly. you know, um, what's going on? Uh, well, before we go there, um, so tell me about, um, where people can get a taste of the documentary. Mm. Uh, I know it's in theaters, uh, locally at this particular time. I'm not exactly sure when this podcast is going to drop. Um, but you also have some other opportunities for folks to stream it or see it online. Yeah. The, um, you can stream Tuba to Cuba, like, um, through Apple, um, through iTunes, and uh, you know, in a in a couple months, it'll be out on Netflix. Okay, okay. So, you know, that that'll be an opportunity, and you know, the way. That, thank you. The, the the way that um, the way that you know the the film industry has evolved is uh, there 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 aren't any rules anymore. You mm-hmm. know, um, so you know we're 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 still um, always looking for ways to get it into people's homes right. and, and, and in front of people. And because we tour so much, um, we're going to be be showing the film in markets as we tour. Ah, so they'll be entering gotcha. the market leading up to our performance mm-hmm. in that market. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. Lay, lay the red carpet out in front exactly. of you. Um, you need to give some props to some people that were part of uh, this this major accomplishment Man, with a tube you know, of Cuba. There is an amazing guy here in New Orleans. His name's Thomas Harrington, and we all know him as TG. Mm-hmm. And TG is a the director. A director, uh-huh. and he's an incredible filmmaker. He's actually of Cuban descent. Oh, okay. So he was one of the people who helped. Who you know, when I went to him with the project, he said, "Hmm, let me make a call." before we even start talking about right. it because I don't even know if this is possible until I get one person to say yes. Gotcha. And he was, you know, he had the number of somebody, you know, inside of, you know. Inside of the inside. Inside of the inside. Right. Who, uh, who actually happened to be in New Orleans um, at Tulane at the time hmm. in, in the business, in a business program at Tulane. And uh, he was like, Absolutely, we can we can definitely make the stars align, and you know that that's part of it is like when things have to line up to make those things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so Thomas Harrington, um, you know, Nom de Guerre Films, which is his his company, and he's been involved in in the in, in the New Orleans 
you know, he grew up here and, and now is part of like, you know, the film community here. So that's that, that he was, you know, huge. Of course, the, the co-director on the film, Danny Clinch, who's a photographer from, uh, from uh, New Jersey, but uh, was, you know, one of the first people to start bringing us around after Hurricane Katrina mm -hmm. and introducing us to like, uh, you know, Dave Matthews and, you know, just, you know, just people who had a, a, an affection for New Orleans, but didn't have like a, a direct hand to shake, you know. So he was he, he was he's been an important person in our film. Of course, Nikel Harrington, who's one of the producers on the, the project, my wife, of course, you know. And mm -hmm. I mean, our, our staff at the hall, you know, we have 30 people in addition to the 30 people who work at Preservation Hall okay. and our foundation. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, over 70 musicians, seven zero musicians wow. in our collective who perform at Preservation Hall. Now who's yeah. the who's in the, the, the band immediately right now? Mm. We definitely want to give them their props because they were an integral part of, of the documentary as well. Of course, I mean, there's, you know, the elder statesman, you know, you know, the reason that we all play music, Charlie Gabriel. Mm -hmm. And his family, you know, he has seven generations of his family in New Orleans playing music. And he was amazing in the documentary. He brought so much energy and life as the elder statesman, but still had more energy than everybody else. I mean, to this day, you know, he's been blowing up my phone all day. Like, where you at, Neff? Where you at, Neff? <laughs> you know, because he's like, send me an Uber. Come on, man. Where you at, Neff? You know, like, you know, where are we hanging? Where are we, you know? He's just one of those old school New Orleans cats, mm -hmm. you know, like when I grew up, like my paran used to like, you know, just drive around in his Lincoln, mm -hmm. you know, just checking in every day. Yep, yep, you know yep, what I'm yep, saying? Yep, yep. Now that's you know, New Orleans word for you. Say that again. Paran. Paran. That's right. It's funny because, you know, when we were on tour with Shorty and Galactic, Trombone Shorty, we were some of the younger kids on the on the tour didn't know what a, what a, a fale was. Mm. Uh, a what? Man, because. A fale? Shorty, yeah, Shorty would come up to me and go, what's up, fale? Oh, Farley. 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 Say Farley. What's up, Farley? That's an old school. Yeah. But some of the younger kids they didn't know they what had it no was. Idea. You know, so I was like, so they don't even know what a paran is. <laughs> they definitely don't you know, know that. You know, so I was like, for, for the younger kids, for the younger generation, could you elaborate? Tell them what is Preservation Hall. Oh man! Well, before you get to that, <laughs> let's give all of the band members oh, the band their props. Members. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, and now I'll get into we'll that. We'll revisit that question. Um, our trombone player is Ron L. Johnson. Okay. You know, from the Cool Bone Brass I, Band. I know. Steven, uh -huh. You know his brother Stephen. Um, our trumpet player at that time was Mark Bro, who's mm -hmm. you know Wendell Brunius and John Brunius, and, the, and their dad is mm -hmm. a you know picky, uh, you know John Brunius Senior. Um, our, our piano player that then was Ricky Monet. Okay, you know who goes back. You know if you if, if you're in the church scene in New Orleans, everybody knows Ricky Monet. Um, our drummer is um, Walter Harris, who's related to to um, um, the whole Brooks family. Juanita Brooks, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mark Brooks, right, right. Detroit Brooks. You know that was that's his whole family. And Detroit, the singer, singer slash rapper. That's Detroit Brooks' son. Okay, yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, they're like best buddies. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and then of course myself on, on tuba and, and upright bass. And then a uh, Clint Majin, um, who's kind of like our, 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 downtown arts, you know, arts rock and roll singer, but also, you know, went to, went to UNO when Alice Marcellus was teaching there mm -hmm. and, you know, he's on the jazz scene as well. Right. Yeah. So y'all have, y'all have had a number of lineups mm -hmm. with the preservation, uh, hall band over the years. And does it keep kind of changing? Like new blood comes yeah, in I mean, it, periodically. It evolves, you know, as as a you know a musician either um, transitions, you know, off of this earth, 
you know, we have somebody who can, you know, come in and, you know, has been, you know, kind of honing their skills and can kind of step into their shoes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. You know? um, I mean, we're really blessed at Preservation Hall because we have, we're not just in, you know, we're not just a place that puts on music, but we're involved in the community. So we know who's coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like um, one of the gentlemen who used to play at the hall, his name was Ralph Johnson. His, you know, his his uh, great nephew, knew, Calvin Johnson, performs at Preservation Hall now. Okay. You know, a lot of my old students that I used to teach at NOCA play at Preservation Hall now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, it's being a part of the community. It's, it's really no different than being like in an Indian tribe where you like you know who's going to be the next person. Right, right, You know who's going to step in. You know who just had a kid, so you know who's going to come into that role. Right. Same in the music community. You kind of like, you just keep your eye on the church and see who's coming up. Who's next up, right? Who's next up? You know, is it PJ? You know, is it going to be PJ Morton? You know, know, Kyle Roussel, you know, Mm -hmm. he's in the band now. So, you know, it's just kind of like who's who's at NOCA? You know, who's playing in the band? Who needs a little help? Who needs an instrument? Who needs a lesson? Who needs some mentoring? Who just needs a little, you know, to be around some older people who mm-hmm. you know have been through it you know maybe they just need some professional advice you know i just sat down with a uh, alvin ford you know the drummer alvin ford who's out there making making a lot of noise for himself in right. the world and he just came over to the studio and was just like hey man I just want to rap with you about like my career you know like jump into you know, preservation hall you know, hey. well, you co- i'm eating this cuban so you got to excuse me preservation hall what is preservation hall and Preservation Hall is an actual place in the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, most people know it is is that place next door to Pat O'Brien's. Gotcha. Yeah, on St. Peter Street. Very tiny music venue that uh, started having music in the 1950s. You know, so we're talking about Jim Crow. You know, during a, you know a very very dark period in our our history, this art gallery started having little jam sessions for the artists, and they were going into the neighborhoods. And connecting with these older African American jazz pioneers that had fallen on, you know, hard times or kind of been pushed to the fringes, you know, and they start bringing them back one by one to this environment where they were being celebrated. And then my parents came to New Orleans in '61, and from Philadelphia, and this this was the environment that they discovered when they came down to when they came to the French Quarter. They walked into this art gallery and they they saw these musicians whose records they had. Mm. You know, from the that they got from their parents' record collection. Right. You know, and your dad was a big music, uh, big music fan. And, you know? and played tuba too. Played tuba, but there, you know, not a lot of opportunity for a, a jazz tuba player on on the East Coast right, at that time. Right, right. You know? <laughs> so he came to New Orleans and befriended a lot of these musicians. And the owner of the gallery, this, you know, said, "Hey, you know, if you all want to do something with it, you know, you can take over the space." And it was just one of these moments, you know, divine design. You know where they were in the right place at the right time. They had all the right skills that mm-hmm. you know someone needed, and you know my dad had management business skills. You know from going to a business school, and they started operating this place. And you know pretty soon it opened as the the, the first open music venue in the South. Ooh. You know a lot of people don't know that about it, and it was you know it was the the center for um, for core. You know meetings would take place there. Um, you know, New Orleans was kind of a training ground, you know, as people went into Alabama and Mississippi, you know, during the civil rights movement, New Orleans was a center place, you know, was, a, was where, you know, people would come and be trained right. before, they before need, stepping out into And battle. they needed safe spaces. Yes, and that's what Preservation Hall was, a safe space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Man, that, that's an amazing story. Uh, and you guys, so Preservation Hall, 
Not as an art gallery, right. which it was before, but as a music hall is how many years old now? Uh, let's see, 61. 60. So, yeah, we'll be 60 years old in 2021. Wow. So, yeah, about 58 years. That's big. That's yeah, big. Man. It's such a small place. It's, it's like a chapel. You know, uh, people come in there and they're like, wow, what? Oh, my God, I was expecting like Carnegie Hall, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And they come in and it's like, you know, uh, a couple wooden benches and people sit on the floor. There's no microphones right. and it's only about big enough for 50 or 60 people at a time right you know so it's a very intimate experience and that that was something that was very um important and special to my parents is that people could come have a, an intimate experience and commune with with musicians in a way that that um is just you know i i wouldn't even say rare it's just unheard of right. for for the average person you know we have second lines in new orleans and we we all have music in church and we have you know we have i mean music's everywhere <laughs> it is and, and we say that and we're not actually we're not joking about it we're truth like, it is everywhere mm-hmm. you know we, we could be we could go drive five minutes from here and be listening to a live band right now mm-hmm. you know you know the good thing too like and i think people probably need to know is that you guys don't just do traditional jazz there right like uh you know before we started we were talking about the jay electronica set mm-hmm. where kevin durant and jay-z came through um and then i know partners in crime just did something mm-hmm. over there i think the saturday before mardi gras That's so right. like some some hip-hop Jazz, R and B, and different different music I mean, fusions and formats. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I mean, one of the things that I learned about growing up when I grew up with like the Dirty Dozen, mm-hmm. like they were the band that I looked up to in the Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Was like you can't you can't deny who you are and like who your influences are, and right. that that you know if. If the early jazz pioneers had done that, we wouldn't have had jazz. Right, right, you know, right, right. Know? Like if Louis Armstrong hadn't done that, if, if Jelly Roll Morton hadn't done that, if Buddy Bolden hadn't done that, you know. So you you like you find a way to like take these influences and these things that like shape who you are, without being with and and continue to be respectful of the tradition that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean a lot of people ch- are challenged with this in church too. Like how far is too far? You know, that's a whole nother story. Right. <laughs> it's a whole yeah, nother but story. Having, but in jazz, they have the same conversation. Mm. You know, it, there, it's just, you know, one's in sacred, one's in secular. And, and that's kind of what we started the, the whole show with, talking yeah. about, you know, the, the new versus the old and what stays in what space. So I'm, I'm a big fan of finding the thing that resonates with people while being respectful of 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 your of your elders you know and, and the that, originators of course mm-hmm. and that and that that that'll lead you down different roads and sometimes it's not always you know sometimes it does lead you into a room with with jay electronic or mo's def or jay-z mm-hmm. or you know or the blind boys of alabama mavis staple sometimes it it'll take you on like a really interesting a really that interesting you, journey that you never anticipated no but it but after you do it you couldn't imagine it not happening correct correct Hey man, well, we thank you for coming by today. Ben Zavi from uh, Preservation Hall Band and Preservation Hall and the philanthropic part. And they also just came out with A Tuba to Cuba, which is an amazing documentary. Uh, if you don't get an opportunity to head over to the theaters to catch it, catch it on one of the streaming services. And either it, it will be now or very soon on Netflix as well. But it, it's it's really great stuff. Um, especially if you want to dig a little bit deeper than just New Orleans music, uh, go into his ties to other places. And uh, like I, I said, ultimately, like the African influences that really permeate music across our country. Um, so we want to thank you for stopping by. We're coming over there and catch one of your next sets that you got going on. Also, a big shout out to uh, Lesur, uh Honey Cognac. 
Shout out to Gracias Bakery. This is incredible. These Cubans were so on point. I'm about to scarf the rest of this thing down. <laughs> um, shout out to C. Smith and Buck Jump Studios. Uh, shout out to Angelique uh, Phipps. Uh, are we leaving anybody out? We, we got to give our props where it's due. Well, I want to say shout out to you, man, because you continue. You continue to put this together, man, and I don't think you get your, your props. Amen. Ain't, I'm just amen. working, man. Amen. You know. You know, and I want to shout out myself, man. Yeah, I'm going to shout out, shout out myself for being here. What would you say? You're bringing sexiness back to the podcast? I bring the sexy podcast? to the podcast, man. That's what I do. I bring the sexy to the podcast. And I want to just thank everyone for the continued support. Yeah. You know, it's uh, been a, a brief journey. Right, right. But it's moving so fast, man. Yeah. We, it's moving so fast. So. A lot of accolades from around the country on what we're doing. We're trying to really make sure we can preserve some of this culture you know what i'm saying and have direct conversations with people that are in the game like it's cool like i always say for you know the tribune in chicago or new york to write about us or uh wherever but we're here we want to get our people here and get these candid conversations 10 years down the line 20 years down the line they don't have to say well maybe he meant this just listen to the podcast. You heard Ben Joffe say it out of his mouth right here. Um, so thanks to everybody. You got to put anybody on the map. Thank anybody before we sign off. Man, I, you know, I, it just makes me so proud to be from this city, sitting in here and like just, you know, being in the studio, just seeing what we're doing to, to make sure that, that we're doing what needs to be done to celebrate and protect mm -hmm. our city, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and celebrate those things that we love about our city that, that you know, that just keeps us keeps us waking up in the morning, keeps us excited and happy and joyful, you know, and, and we need that more than ever. Well, you're going to get it here. The Wild Wayne Unchained Podcast. We'll be back with more cute theme music, C. Smith. C. Smith. C. Smith. C. Smith. Thank you for listening to the Wild Wayne Unchained podcast. Make sure and follow us on social media at Wild Wayne Unchained. And for advertising or sponsorship opportunities, contact us at Wild Wayne Unchained at gmail.com.